and there'll be no tears in heaven's fair. No tears, no tears of them. No tears in heaven will be known. Oh, 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 some morning yonder will cease to ponder oh, or thing in this life has brought to view oh, 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 oh will be clearer uh, save ones be dearer in heaven where all will be made new oh, oh, and there'll be no tears in heaven's fair uh, no tears, no tears of there. A uh, sorrow and pain will all have flown. Uh -huh. And there'll be no tears in heaven's fair. Uh, no tears, no tears of there. Uh, no tears in heaven will be known. Uh -huh. Good evening. This evening's scriptures reading will be taken from the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 1 through verse 4. Once again, that's the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 1 through verse 4. If you have it, you may respond by saying amen. The Bible reads these words. If there, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other, esteem other better than themselves. Look, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. I've just read Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. May God add a blessing to the readers, hearers, and doers of his holy and divine word. Let us pray. Most gracious God and heavenly Father, once again we come before your throne of grace with thanksgiving in our hearts. Father, we thank you so much for your your loving kindness. We thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. We thank you for helping us to be strong in the Lord. And Father, we pray that uh, we will have we will be have that love that Jesus commanded us to have. That we love one another. He have loved us that way. Father, we can have a strong. We could be bond together here in Pittsburgh Park Church of Christ. We can have a strong church. A church that will not be divided. No one could come in here and divide us. We pray that we will be that love, that strong, that, uh, that have that strong uh, uh, being uh, faithful to you so that we can have a strong church, that we can move it up to a higher level. And we pray, Father, at this time, we ask you to look down on those that uh, have health issues, those that are just not feeling well. Father, we pray that you watch over them and minister to them. They do the right thing to nurse them back to their most wanted health. Father, we pray for our minister. We pray, Father, that we would give him the support that he need 
when he put forth these activities, the program for the church to do, we pray, Lord, we'll be there to, to give him the encouragement that you keep on uh, doing the, the work of the, of the Lord. That don't grow withered. And Father, we pray as he come before us tonight and break unto us the bread of life, that if we have a need to come forward and and, and make our life um, right with God so that we can live a more positive Christian life. We thank you for your love, Father. It's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Let's all say amen. amen. I know that soon and very soon, I know that we are come to see the soon and very soon, oh soon and very soon. I know that we are come to see the soon and very soon, oh soon and very soon. I know that we are come to see the King and we'll sing in hallelujah. A hallelujah, we're going to see the no more dying there, or no more dying there. I know that we are going to see the no more dying there, or no more dying there. I know that we are going to see the no more dying there, or no more dying there. I know that we are going to see the King and we'll sing and hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to see the peace and happiness, the peace and happiness there. I know that we are going to see the peace and happiness, the peace and happiness there. I know that we are going to see the peace and happiness of peace and happiness there. I know that we are going to see the King of real sing hallelujah. A hallelujah, a we're going to see the no more crying there, or no more crying there. I know that we are going to see the no more crying there, or no more crying there. I know that we are going to see the no more crying there, or no more crying them. I know that we are going to see the King and we'll sing and hallelujah, a hallelujah. We're going to see the soon and very soon, or soon and very soon. I know that we are going to see the soon and very soon, or soon and very soon. I know that we are going to see the soon and very soon, or soon and very soon. I know that we are going to see the King of real singing hallelujah. A hallelujah, 
we're going to see the soon and very soon, a soon and very soon. I know that we are going to see the soon and very soon, a soon and very soon. I know that we are going to see the soon and very soon, a soon and very soon. I know that we are going to see the King and we'll sing and hallelujah. A hallelujah, uh, we're going to see the King. The songwriter says, some glad morning we shall see Jesus in the air. Coming after you and me, joy is ours to share. With what rejoicing there will be when the saints shall rise, headed for that jubilee yonder in the skies. Page number 547. Heaven's Jubilee. Time. A sunlit morning we shall see Jesus in the air. A coming after you and me. Joyous house to share. Oh, what rejoicing there will be when the sun shall rise. Oh, headed for the jubilee yonder in the sky. Oh, oh, oh what singing. Oh, oh, oh what shouting. Her home that happy morning when we all share our oh, 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 what glory, ah, hallelujah. Oh, when we meet our blessed Savior under in the sky. Oh, seem that now I almost see all the sainted dead arising for the jubilee that is just ahead. Oh, in the twinkling of an eye, chain with them to me. Oh, all the living saints to fly to that jubilee. Oh, oh, oh what singing? Oh, 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 what shouting? Oh, home that happy morning when we all share our Oh, 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 what glory? Ah, hallelujah. Oh, when we meet our blessed Savior under in the skies. Oh, when with all the heavenly hosts we begin to sing. A singing in the Holy Ghost, how the heavens will ring. A million still will join the song, with them we shall be. A praising Christ to ages long, heaven's jubilee. Oh, 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 what singing, oh, oh. On that happy morning when we all share our oh, 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 what glory, ah, hallelujah. Oh, when we meet our blessed Savior under in the sky, oh, 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 what singing, oh, 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 what shouting, Oh, on that happy morning when we all share our eyes. Oh, 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 what glory. Ah, hallelujah. 
Oh, when we meet our blessed Savior yonder in the skies. If you love the Lord, say amen. And if you know that God is better than good, say amen again. What a beautiful song. You all sound wonderful singing it. Uh, Heaven's Jubilee. Uh, There is no greater objective on this earth than securing our home in heaven. So many things on this earth appear to be with great appeal and desire, but uh, our greatest gift, uh, our greatest goal should be uh, that one day we will see our heavenly father. He will look at us and he'll say, well done. And that, if that's not your passion's desire, then I want you to uh, pray about what are indeed uh, the desires of your heart. Uh, Because there is no greater goal, no greater reward, no greater gift uh, than the knowledge of knowing that we have the possibility, if we remain faithful and if we trust in the salvation of God, uh, to enjoy a home in heaven with the Lord. If y'all get that, say amen. Amen. Giving uh, a great thank you to all of my brothers who have served in the service thus far. Adam for our scripture reading, Brother Finch for leading us in prayer, Tim for leading us wonderfully in praise. Uh, let's give all of the servants of God a love deposit. Let's give them a love deposit on tonight. Love deposit on tonight. Uh, good evening, Pembroke Park. Uh, I hope, trust, and pray that you all have come with your hearts and minds uh, focused on receiving a word from the word. Uh, on, on tonight, I, I'm going to ask you if you'd meet me in the book of Philippians. Just want to jump right into it. If you could stand on your feet with me. Philippians chapter two is where we are. We're going to be looking at verses one through four, uh, in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter two, verses one through four. All's have it say amen. And if not, say wait. Since there are none, listen carefully as the Bible reads. Um, the Lord uses Paul to tell us something very powerful, very, very interesting. Uh, He says, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, if that's in your Bible, say amen. Uh, Fulfill, Paul says, my joy by being like-minded and having The same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing, someone say nothing. Let nothing, Paul says, be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each other, let each rather, esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. You may be seated. If you love the word of God, say amen. amen. Bow your head with me for a moment of prayer. I'd like to talk to God before I preach to you all on tonight. Almost righteous and awesome heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you at this time with our heads humbly bowed. Uh, we thank you for just being so good. Lord, we have so many things in this life that trouble us, that we struggle with, but we know that your presence is constant. Uh, You are good to us, dear Lord. You love us. You keep us. Lord, I am asking that if it is your will, uh, that you would just bless, keep, 
watch over, guide, and protect all these, my brothers, uh, my sisters, our visiting friends, dear Lord, that you would just keep us in the hollow of your hands. Lord, we are here today because we just want to grow a little bit more. We want to be better today than we were yesterday, and we have enough sense to know that the only way we're going to get better, Lord, is through the contact, the respect, and the reverence of your will, word, and way. So on tonight, dear Lord, with this portion of your word, dear Lord, give us the righteous mind to push aside everything that may seem to be something and to dedicate everything about us to the only thing that matters. That is what thus saith the Lord. Dear Lord, give us all the righteous mind to surrender ourselves wholeheartedly to the text with the understanding that if we just surrender our attention, conformity, and obedience to the word, the only thing that we can become is better. I also ask of you, dear Lord, please help me. Humbly, I submit myself before you. Lord, please help me to speak your word to your people your way, adding nothing to your word, taking nothing away from your word, and at the conclusion of all things, giving all praise, honor, and glory to thee. Lord, we thank you. We praise your name. We certainly love you. These and all prayers we ask in your son Jesus' name we pray. Let us all say amen, amen, amen. Amen. and amen again. There's, there's a phrase that I think um, has great merit. You'll, you'll know it when, when you hear it. Um, it, it. It goes a little something like this. It says, uh, do unto others uh, as you'd have them do unto who? Absolutely. Uh, the, 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 the charge and the core focus of that phrase is that our minds must understand that the way that we affectionately deal with other people should be in natural agreement and desire for how we would like for people to affectionately deal with us. If you all get that, say amen. I want you to understand that while we all know that phrase, uh, the question is, how often do we live, and I mean live, by that principle in our lives? That is, how oftentimes are we moving in our existence for the well-being and the consideration of others in light of how we would like to be treated ourselves? When we do that, my brothers and my sisters, we start to live lives that are void of selfishness, and we start to live lives that manifest selflessness. If y'all are still with me, say amen. Uh, Paul gives us a charge that I think is beautiful in uh, the second chapter of the book of Philippians verses one through four. And I pray you'll journey with me as we glean and grow from what God has for us on tonight. Tonight, if I were talking to you all on a subject, I'd like to talk to you on the topic for the people, Uh, for the people. If you love the word of God, say amen. Uh, in the book of Philippians, uh, the second chapter to be specific, Paul is, uh, he's beginning now to, to share with us uh, a couple of principles that are going to charge the hearts of the listeners to understand that our Christian walk is bigger than us as individuals. That is, the, Im- the, the impact of the relationship that I share with Christ transcends just my experience 
my welfare, and my good. That is, God has worked things out in such a way in my life that what he's doing in my life has the phenomenal power not only to be a blessing to me, but also to be a blessing of others. I'm challenging you all to understand that that's not just the gift, that's the point. That's not just a gift, that's the point. In other words, the fact that I live a life that's a blessing to other people, that's not just a caveat, uh, uh, the ice on the cake, if you will, but that is the cake. That's the reason why we live. Our lives, our lives should be lived so that others get a blessing from our existence. If y'all get that, say amen. That is, that is, your existence is not just for your welfare. It's not just for your betterment. It's not just for your good. It's not just for your prosperity. It's not just for your, uh, uh, your, your, your elevation. No, I, I want all of us to open our hearts and minds and to consider that the reason why God continues to put life inside of me, God's putting life inside of me so that I might be a blessing to others. The reason why I know God's putting life inside of me so that I might be a blessing to others is because taking care of myself has never been my sole job. Paul's going to reveal to us that there is an advocate that is always taking care of us. And if we allow that advocate to take care of us, and if we mimic the presence of that advocate that it has on our lives, in the lives of other people, we make the world a better place. If y'all get that, say amen. Now, to get into this premise, you've got to walk with me on one, to get into me with this lesson, rather, you'd have to walk with me in one simple premise. And if we can agree on this premise, it'll help us to gain the lesson. If y'all still with me, say amen. I challenge you to know that God's taking care of you, so you should take care of others. God is taking care of you, so you should take care of others. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, God is taking care of us. We should take care of others. In the first verse, in the first verse of the second chapter of the book of Philippians, first verse in the second chapter of the book of Philippians, Paul introduces to us uh, a relationship that's undeniable. He says in the first verse, if y'all are still with me, say amen. He says, therefore, if there is any consolation, and by consolation he means comfort, if there is any consolation in Christ, If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any affection and mercy. If you all see that, say amen. I like that he starts each phrase with the word if. Someone say if. If opens the door to a condition. That is maybe, maybe not. If opens the idea that this could be or possibly could not be true. He asks the question if, and after each if, he issues us a condition that we ought to inquire within our hearts and study as to whether or not it's true. He says, if first and foremost, there is any comfort in Christ, if there's any comfort of love, if there's any fellowship of spirit, if there's any affection and mercy. I want you to understand that if you're looking at that passage correctly, You've just seen Paul demonstrate to us the impact of the Trinity in our lives. That is, in verse number one of chapter two of the book of Philippians, you've just borne witness to the Godhead's impact on our lives. 
Take a good look at it. If there's any comfort in Christ, if there's any comfort of love, if there's any fellowship with the Spirit, I want you to appreciate that right now you're bearing witness to Paul inquiring us to consider, is God in every portion of his being active in our lives? Well, how do we know that? Well, the first thing he opens us to do is he opens us to consider Christ and his love. And I want you to know that when you're talking about love, I wish I had time to take you to 1 John, but the Bible says, if anyone loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Uh, meet me, if you will, in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse number 16. John chapter 3, verse number 16. Uh, it's a very simplistic passage. I believe that at many of us in this place could quote it, but I want you to see the relationship with Christ and love. See the relationship with Christ and love. If you love the word of God, say amen. Third chapter of the book of John, verse number 16, the Bible says, for God, for God, someone say God, for God so loved the world. And through that love, what does he do? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son uh, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but the Bible tells us might have everlasting life. If you all see that, say amen. That is, that is, let's appreciate this because it's an important point. That is, through the love that God had for us, and I know it's God's love because God indeed is love. Um, the Bible says that God's love moved him to give us his son. And his son died a death so that we wouldn't have to face eternal damnation, but we might have the hope of everlasting life. I don't know about how you are today, but I pray there are some moments in time in your life when you begin to consider that one of these days we won't have to worry about poverty anymore. And we won't have to worry about violence anymore. And we won't have to worry about racism anymore. And we won't have to worry about mass shootings anymore. And we won't have to worry about cancer anymore. And we won't have to worry about death anymore. Because one day, after all is said and done, this faithfulness to God is going to manifest in great reward because God is going to bless us with a home in heaven. If that makes you feel good, you ought to say amen. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Paul told us, Paul told us in the book of 1 Thessalonians, he said for us, to encourage one another with this reality that one day God's going to come back. Yeah, we're not going to be here always. We're not going to have to watch bad things happening on CNN always. We're not going to have to watch the, the, the dying state of morality and goodness around us. That won't always be because one day the heavens will open. And God's going to return and we're going to be delivered from this place. If you appreciate that, you ought to say amen. But how did we get such a gift? We got that gift because God loved us. And through God's love, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, down to die for us. And the death that Jesus Christ died for us enabled us to have the opportunity not to suffer a life of eternal perishing, but to have access to the beauty of everlasting life. If y'all know that's good, y'all to say amen. Yeah, but what did he ask us? He says, he says in Philippians chapter 2, he says, if there's any consolation in Christ, that's the comfort of Christ. I see it clearly. If there's any, if there's any, he tells us comfort in his love. I know I've been comforted by his love. He tells us that. But then he adds another caveat. He says, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit. Now, to appreciate the Spirit, I want you to meet me in Romans chapter 8. 
Because the Spirit, like God, like Christ, came into our lives. And one thing that God and the Spirit all have in common is that God and the Spirit all came into our lives so that we might have a better existence. If you all see that, say amen. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Turn there with me, if you will. I want you to meet me in the 8th chapter of the book of Romans. And we're looking together at verse number 26. 8th chapter of the book of Romans. We're looking together at verse number 26. If you all see that, say amen. Bible says powerfully, he says, listen, therefore, he said, rather, he says, likewise, the spirit, someone say spirit. spirit, the spirit, pay close attention to the next words, helps in our weaknesses. The spirit helps in our weaknesses. Now, before I begin to get into the specifics of how the spirit helps in our weaknesses, I want you to appreciate the commonality that Paul has demonstrated to us in Christ, God, and the spirit. That is... <laughs> Both God and Christ, along with the Spirit, have entered into the existence of mankind to help us out in an area where we could not help ourselves. We didn't know how to get to heaven, but God did. We couldn't pay the price to get to heaven, but Jesus can. We don't know how to make it in this earth, but the spirit does. So the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 verse 27, likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses. How do I know that? We know this passage. He says, for we don't know how to do what, church? We don't know how to do what? Yeah, we don't know how to pray as we ought to. That is, that is our heart's desire for how we see trouble. God says we ne we're never thinking the right way as we should. That's the reason why I'm learning more and more these days when I face obstacles that I don't understand. I'm learning to stop trying to figure out strategies and to start immediately entering into a space of sanctity and consecration with God. I'm learning the most important, most strategic thing that I can do is not put together a plan to fix it out, but to ask God to help me work it out. If y'all get that, say amen. He says, he says, the spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know how to pray, but the spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He says now he searches the heart. He who searches the heart knows the mind of the spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Well no wonder verse 28 says what it says. Verse 28 powerfully goes on to say if y'all still with me say amen. It tells us he says and we know that all things work together for the good of them for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Appreciate the relationship that God, Christ, and the Spirit has in the life of humanity. And you've got to remember this because the devil will do much in our lives to cause us to assume and believe that these things aren't true. That is, God Christ and the Holy Spirit, the entirety of the Godhead has intervened in my life, your life, our lives to ensure that we are made better in areas where we couldn't fix it ourselves. That is God, Christ and the Spirit is all working in conjunction, in agreement to help me make it through this life. Well, this is important because back in Philippians chapter 2, y'all turn there with me if you will. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 1, Paul is charging us to do inventory. That is, in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 1, Paul is asking us to consider, is this true? Is there comfort in Christ Jesus? 
Is there, is there any comfort in the love of Christ? And we know that God indeed is love. If y'all get that, say amen. If there's any fellowship in the spirit, and then on top of that, he asks, is there any affection? That is, is there any compassion? Do I feel the presence and power of God? Is there any mercy? Do I know that I have far more than I deserve? Do I know every day I wake up, I ought to thank God for it because I don't deserve to wake up. Do I know every day that the wages of sin is death, but the gift, the wonderful gift of God is life? Do I know these things? If I know these things, Paul is asking me to answer with a rhetorical yes because the confirmation of my acknowledgement of God's presence in my life to do one very important thing. If y'all are still with me, say amen. The very important thing that God is doing in my life is God exist in my life to help me in areas where I can't help myself. Paul says, if you know God's doing that for you, if you know that God and his son and the spirit have all come together to help you and I in areas where we could not help ourselves, he then charges us after we consider that. And let's just consider it for a moment. I don't deserve salvation, but God blessed me with it. I don't deserve the potential of a home in heaven, but the death of Christ blessed me with it. I don't deserve access to the throne of God to talk to God about anything, but the spirit works it out so that I can have these things. If, if, the, if, if, if the trinity of God is working hard to make sure that I'm better in areas where I couldn't help myself, Watch him in verse number two. If y'all still with me, say amen. Philippians chapter two, verse number two. He says, then fulfill my joy by being like-minded. That is, all I want you to do is to think like they think. All I want you to do is to think like they think. If y'all are still with me, say amen. You see, there's something profound uh, going on here. He tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 2. He says, fulfill my joy. Someone say joy. Joy. Fulfill my joy uh, by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. That is, I want you all to mirror the love that you see in the Trinity. And what is the love that I see in the Trinity? It's undeniable. I can look to heaven and I know uh, that God loves me. I know that God cares for me. I know that God is active in my life even though I don't deserve his activity. I know that God is helping me in areas where I couldn't help myself. I know full well that if God was not intervening in my existence, I don't know where I would be. So then Paul says, well, if you know that to be true, Kevin, if you know that to be true, Pembroke Park, then here's what I want you to do. I just want you to have that same mind. That's all I want you to do. I want you in verse number two to fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Well, what does that look like? Well, he tells us in verse number three. He says in verse number three, what you've got to understand is that there's a commonality in the spirit, God, and Christ. There's a commonality in the entities that comprise the holiness that we call God. And the commonality is they have never done anything that does the supreme benefit of themselves. Consider that for a moment. We've talked about it oftentimes with Christ, but we know that Christ died for a bunch of stuff he really didn't need. Y'all know that, right? That is, uh, Christ died, for anyone who doesn't know, Christ died so that we might have a home in heaven. 
but he already lives in heaven. And Christ died so that we might have freedom from sin, but he's never committed sin. And Christ died so that we might have a relationship with God, but God was already his father. You see, he paid the ultimate price for a gift that he couldn't use at all for himself. Well, then, Lord, why would you pay the ultimate price for a gift that you couldn't use yourself? Well, he says, I paid the price because I didn't need it. Kevin did. And I just wanted Kevin to have it. So I'm willing to make myself low. I'm willing to endure the cross so that Kevin might be well. If y'all get that, say amen. I'm telling you right now, I, I, don't, I don't even send my kids with people I don't know. I don't like my kids in stores too far from me if I can't see my eyes on them. I, I, if my kids come to your house, you better know that I think high of you. Say amen if you can. It's because, it's because as a parent, if I'm being very honest with you, I'm very protective of my children. But God sent his son to an earth filled with people that despised him with such a heightened level of hatred towards him that God with foreknowledge already knew that they would kill him for his goodness. And the death that they would inflict upon him for his goodness would be the bloodshed that his murderers needed to be forgiven of the murder. Why in the world would the Lord do with his child something I would never dream of doing with mine? He says, Kevin, I let my child die because you needed his death. The spirit enjoyed great access and harmony with God. Christ had such a reverent respect for the spirit. Christ says, you can say whatever you want to say about me, but please don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. He held the spirit in great esteem and honor. The spirit has always been the invoking power and influence that has charged mankind to do phenomenally the will of God. If you all get that, say amen. But in the last days, the spirit has been poured out on all flesh. That is, every person who, who has a relationship biblically based with God, who has been added to the body of Christ, who has received the gift of salvation, has within them, dwelling within them, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is in the lives of us. And that means the Holy Spirit sees us at our best, and it certainly sees us at our worst. You'd have to ask the Spirit, boy, it had to be better during the days of Moses when God was very selective with who he would allow the Spirit to fill. While the spirit did indeed fill Elijah, it didn't fill everyone. But here now God has blessed it of such that we all have access with the spirit. And why do we all have access with the spirit? Because God knows that without any disrespect, my children, if I know nothing about them, I know that they know nothing at all. They'll fall on their knees to talk to me and they'll miss the point all the time. So I give them the spirit so that the spirit might help them to exercise good sense and good integrity with an agreement with the will of God. When they pray, why does the spirit waste his time striving to help out people like me when he had a legacy of working with such great and phenomenal men and women of God in days of old? The spirit works with us all now because it understands like God understands, like Christ understands, you need what I have far more than I need to give it to you. So if I understand that there are people who are being blessed by what the Spirit gives us, what hinders us from being that same blessing to other people? There are people that would be blessed by a lesson you taught. People that would be blessed by a gift that you give. People that would be blessed by an encouraging word from your mouth. 
No, they may not have the means to thank you. They may not have the means to repay you. They may not have the means to replenish you, but God certainly does. God keeps you. God holds you. God protects you. So what is it about us that causes us to live our lives with a 100% driven interest with doing things that must at least be proportionately good for us? He tells us something in verse number three. If y'all still with me, say amen. Let nothing, someone say nothing. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. That is, there was nothing luxurious about the cross. There was nothing joyous about surrendering his son to die on the cross. And there is nothing with great excellence about striving to guide people who don't even know well enough godliness on how to be able to interact in a healthy way with God. But God does it because he knows that we need it more than he needs to give it. He says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you, he says in verse number four, look not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. Church, I'll tell you, we transform the world if we can get that mentality. If I wake up every day understanding that what God is asking me to do is what he has done masterfully for me already. That is God's activity in my life has always been wrapped around him working overtime without health benefits and no 401k to ensure that I have everything I need. What hinders us from being that same blessing to the members of humanity that we interact with on a daily basis. Second Corinthians chapter one, as I close, meet me there. Christ begins to reveal to us the point. We talked much about the spirit and God. Uh, I'd like to land the plane looking at Christ because Christ begins to demonstrate to us the mind that we should have. If y'all get that, say amen. In second Corinthians chapter one, I want you to meet me at verse number three. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, meet me at verse number 3. If you have it, say amen. Listen to Paul as he shares with us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. If Jesus is your Lord, say amen. amen. The Father of mercies and God. If you've ever enjoyed it, listen to what I'm about to tell you. God of all comfort. Who, listen to what he does, comforts us. Someone say us. He comforts us in all our tribulations. Why are you comforting me, Lord? So that I'll feel better? No, Kevin, that's not why I'm comforting you. So that I'll be able to make it a little further? That's part of it, but that's not why I'm comforting you. Kevin, I'm comforting you for one reason and one reason only. What's the reason? He says, Kevin, I am comforting you that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. Why is God so good to me? I used to say I don't know. But now I know. See, God is good to me because God wants me to be good to others. And God is helping me because he wants me to help others. 
And God has mercy on me because he wants me to have mercy on others. And God forgives me because he wants me to forgive others. He tells me so profoundly, he says, he says, with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. Verse number five is most important. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us. Make no mistake about it. Christ suffered on this earth and we suffer as well. If y'all know that's true, say amen. That's the reason why we pray and we ask God for help and we ask God for strength because we're suffering. And he knows we're suffering because he suffered as well. But he adds to that, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. What's that consolation? That's the comfort. That is, if you think back, it has to be true. Think about some of the things we've been through, some of the troubles we've gone through. I think about just a couple of things in my life, and I don't know how I made it on the other side. But I know how I made it. It's because God was comforting me, y'all. I I don't know how I made it through the death of my brother. God was comforting me. The death of my mother, God was comforting me. A deployment back to Iraq, back home from Iraq, back to Iraq again, back home from Iraq. God was comforting me. How is it that I'm walking with blind eyes, striving to manifest and make good on this calling that he's placed on my life that I'm so far into? I don't even know what I'm doing. God is comforting me. And God says, Kevin, I'm comforting you, and I'm comforting everyone. I'm comforting Brother Finch, and I'm comforting Brother Parrish, and I'm comforting Sister Spivey. And why am I comforting all these people? I'm taking care of them in their troubles so that they might take care of others in their troubles. Our lives, my brothers and sisters, we don't live for ourselves. We live for the people. If you're not a child of God, you ought to become one. Most important decision I ever made in my life was giving my life to Jesus Christ. I urge you, if you don't have that relationship with him, won't you have it today? You come by hearing the word of God, believing the gospel to be true. That's an important decision. Repent of your sins. Tell God, Lord, I... I'm sorry for the way I've lived my life. I'm ready to live better. I'm ready to be better. I'm ready to to be about the business of blessing others just like you were about the business of blessing me. Confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Be buried in the watery grave of baptism. Rise to walk a new life. Remain faithful unto death. God promised to give you a crown of life. If y'all get that, say amen. Uh, Maybe just maybe you're here tonight. You know in your heart of hearts, Lord, I'm striving to make it, but I fall short oftentimes. I need your help. I'm not quite sure how I'm navigating this thing. Well, there's a couple of things that you can do. First and foremost, maybe you want to start the relationship with the Lord and you just don't know what you're doing. Our seed sowers are in the back. I'm so grateful for them. Their hands are in the air. They'd love it more than anything that when we stand and and sing our song of invitation, if you would like to just figure out how can I make my relationship with Christ a reality, won't you make your way back to them? They'll take you somewhere in an intimate and private setting. Begin to share with you how you can make your relationship with Jesus Christ a reality today. If that's good news, you ought to say amen. Or maybe just maybe you're here today and you know that you've got some barriers that are hindering you from blessing others. Maybe you've been hurt before and you're fearful that people might hurt you again. Well, let's pray about that. The Bible says if we simply confess our faults, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If anyone needs to respond, we urge you to do so right now as we together stand and sing. Somebody.